We heard Jesus preach at the synagogue last week, and it was amazing. He even cast out a demon. And then that night, he was hanging out at the fisherman's house, Peter and Andrew's house. We didn't know. wish we had known because a lot of people got healed, more demons cast out. So the next morning, we went looking for Jesus, me and my buddies, because we had a friend, had a friend who, who needed to see Jesus. He needed to get healed. He was paralyzed, and, and we knew Jesus was the, was the one who could heal him. So we were scouring the city of Capernaum looking for Jesus. Where is he? He said he'd gone. So when he came back to town three days later, well, we made a beeline for the house. By the time we got there, standing room only. It was unbelievable, not just in the house, but all the way around the house. But my buddies and I, we would not be deterred. We were on a mission to get our friend to Jesus so that he could get a new pair of legs and a new lease on life. So we went to the back stairway of the house and we went up on the flat roof and we began to dig, yes, dig into the roof, the straw, the clay, the sticks, opening it all up so that we could lower him down through the hole. We made a big mess. I remember looking down at Jesus. He's got dirt in his beard and it's up on his, on his head, but he, he had only compassion for us. And so we took the the cords off of our tunics and tied it to the four edges of the, of the pallet there. And as we lowered the cot down ever so gently, we were hopeful, so hopeful that Jesus was going to heal our friend. And so when he looked at him with compassion and said, son, your sins are forgiven, we, we, were, we were disappointed. I mean, we were hoping for legs today, Forgiven sin, that's great, but that's not why we were here. We were here so that our friend could walk. We weren't the only ones confused. Man, the religious leaders were going crazy. First they're leaning, whispering, and then you could hear words like blasphemy. Who does he think he is? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus is catching up with the banter of their hearts and their mouths, and he asked them a question. So what's the harder thing to do? Is it to forgive his sins? Or is it to say, take up your pallet and walk? Well, you know, I was kind of confused by the question because if he said, your sins are forgiven, how would we really know? Because only God can do that. So if, if only God can do it, then for sure the harder thing to do is to forgive sins. And then Jesus said, so that you know I have authority as a son of man to forgive sins. I'm gonna do the easy thing so that you know I can do the harder thing. And if he walks out, you're gonna know, not only can I heal bodies, but I can forgive sins. And then he looked at our friend and he said to him, son, take up your pallet and walk. I couldn't believe it. He sat up, he rolled to his side, he pulled up his legs and then on his knees and then on one leg and then on two. He's flexing his legs. He, they're, they're working. He did a little jump. They're working. The gas were moving from the center of the building all the way out. He's healed. He healed him. He picked up his pallet, rolled it up, and he walked out. We couldn't believe it. I almost fell through the hole. 
ran around the house, ran up to our friends. We embraced. I'll never forget that day. The day that Jesus gave my friend a new pair of legs. The day I was confronted with a man who could not only heal a paralyzed man, but forgive his sin. I know what you're thinking. What about the guy's roof? Like, what happened to that? We, it's all good. We went back. This time, the pallet, well, we weren't carrying a body, but all the supplies in our buddy, the five of us, we, we fixed it all up. It's as, it's as good as new. So let's catch up with this story. If you got a Bible, grab it. Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, is where we're going to hang out. And in this story, we're connecting this story to the line in the creed that says, we believe in the forgiveness of sins. And the forgiveness of sins, according to God's word here specifically in Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, is found through faith in God's Son. Forgiveness is found through faith in God's Son. Jesus is telling us that he has the authority to forgive our sins. So there's four questions we want to ask today. What is sin? What exactly is forgiveness? Forgiveness of sins. Who can do that? And how? So first, what is sin? When Jesus said your sins are forgiven, what was he talking about? He wasn't talking about his mistakes. He was talking about anything and everything that he had done that we do or that we've left undone that separates us from a holy God. Sin is anything we've done or left undone that separates us from God. It's our thoughts, it's our words, it's our actions. When the Bible starts talking about sin, it reminds us that sin is unbelief. We're not trusting in God. It's all the things that we do that aren't connected to faith in God, taking God at his word, obeying his commands, believing his promises. When the Bible talks about sin, it talks about wrongdoings or lawlessness in 1 John. And, and so faith has to do with anything and everything that we do that was wrong. And James would say, but it also has to do with the things that we should have done that are the right things to do, but we fail to do them. And so in James chapter four, verse 17, he writes, remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. So sin at its core separates. It's the things that we have done or left undone that separates us from the God who made us and that loves us. Isaiah talks about this gulf, this chasm that our sin created. But your iniquities, this is Isaiah 59 too, you'll see it on the screen. But your iniquities have separated you from God. See that? Separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. That's what sin is. And the Bible, in case you didn't know, calls us all sinners. Yeah, I already knew that. I knew you knew that. And if you didn't know that, I know there's people in your life that will remind you of that. We're all sinners. All of sin falls short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And sin's a big deal. Not a big deal in our culture. It's not a big deal all the times in our own mind. But it is a big deal. Let me just say this. Anything and everything that is deeply wrong in this world, in your life, that you observe, that you read about, hear about, is connected back to sin. 
The psalmist says sin is such a big deal that when he didn't deal with it in his life, this is David talking about his sin of adultery with Bathsheba, he said, my bones wasted away. It impacted not just my relationship with God, not just my relationship with people, but it affected my own body. Paul will talk about sin and how there are people who have died because of unconfessed sin in their life in the church of Corinth. It's a big deal. Listen to this. One sin is a capital offense in God's eye that is deserving of the capital punishment, death. One sin is a capital offense worthy of the death penalty. That's a big deal. And it's such a big deal when we remember that God would give up his own son and Jesus' his own life to pay for our sin. Sin is serious in God's eyes, and it is serious for us. The Bible says the wages, the penalty of sin is death. And that's why Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve to give my life as a ransom. I'm gonna pay the penalty of your sin to free you from this death sentence. That's why I'm here. I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. I've come to bring release and freedom for those who are under the curse and judgment from our sins. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness at the heart of the word is to send away. So let me just talk about it when we forgive each other. It's a little different than what God's doing for us. But when we forgive each other, what we're sending away is the hurt, the offense that has broken down the relationship. And when we forgive it, we're pushing away the hurt of that offense so that this bitterness doesn't start growing in my heart to be a seed that becomes a root of bitterness, becomes a sequoia tree of bitterness that can, continues to just mess my heart. Actually, forgiveness is not just something we give to others, but it's something we give to our hearts. We send it away. So the idea of forgiveness is the sending away. What is God sending away? He's sending away all the sin that has separated us from God. And when he's doing that, he's doing, he's doing this legal thing of paying this debt so we're no longer under God's judgment. And he's doing this relational thing where he's sending away all that's kept us from God so that we can be reconciled to God. So forgiveness is God paying the debt. Forgiveness is God washing us clean from the guilt of our sin and removing all the barriers that have kept us from a relationship with God. The prophet Micah in chapter seven writes about this in this beautiful section in verse 18. Who is God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance, of his people? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sin underfoot and hurl all our iniquities in the depths of the sea. God removes our sin. He sends it away so that it's no longer on us. But through faith in Christ, it's on Christ so that we can be freed from the penalty and we can be reconciled to the God who made us and loves us. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our sin, our transgressions from us. So then who can do that? Now that was the question in Capernaum. 
And everybody had the same response. Everybody knew the answer to who can forgive sin. Only God can do that. That's what the religious leaders believe. That's what the people believe. And that's what Jesus believed. The question that really was operative in Capernaum was, who do you think you are, Jesus? Because only God can do that. You're a man. You're not God. Therefore, this is blasphemy. You're taking the place of God. And you deserve to be stoned and killed. And you're not God. And Jesus says, well, just so you know I do have the authority. I'm going to heal this man so that you know I can forgive sin. There's nobody else who can forgive our sin against God but God. And Jesus is God's chosen instrument. In Acts chapter 4, we read, there is salvation in no other name but the name of Jesus because he's the one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He is the lamb, not a lamb of God. It's not like, okay, you had the Old Testament sacrifices so you could be made right with me and now I'm giving you the Jesus sacrifice and in the days to come, I'm gonna give you more different kinds of sacrifices. No, he is the lamb of God who came, John says, to take away the sin of the world. Jesus himself said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. He didn't say I'm one of many. I'm the one and only. There is no other one that we can turn to for the forgiveness of sins. It's Jesus. And then, how do we get it then? And the answer in the text is really clear. Verse 5, seeing their faith, he said to the man, your sins are forgiven. He didn't say seeing their good works. It's not about good works. It was the paralytic's faith. It was their his friend's faith. We're, we're forgiven, we're saved by God's grace through faith in God's Son. The forgiveness of our sins comes through faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ. And so when we place our faith in Christ, we are forgiven. And that is a once for all forgiveness that we live in and that is ours and no one can take it away because we didn't earn it. He gave it to us, and by the faith that he gave us in his son, the Lamb of God, we are sealed, and nobody can take that away. Ephesians 1, having believed this good news, this gospel of our salvation, we were marked in Christ with the seal, that is, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And so nothing can change this new relationship that is all by God's grace through faith where we're now sons and daughters. And so that's a one-time deal where he declares us righteous. And this is the wild thing of the gospel that we always want to catch up with. When Jesus died on the cross and experienced the abandonment of his relationship with the Father and the Spirit for the first time in all of eternity... When Jesus did that on the cross, he took all of our sin. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God through Christ. And so here's the deal. We had like a bazillion dollar debt, and Jesus said, I'm paying for the debt. My life for your life. You could never pay it. I'm paying it. Not just for me, not just for you. Everybody, past, present, future, 
All of it. He took the sin of the universe on himself so that you and I could not just get back to zero. I mean, we were so far down the debt line. He didn't just bring us back to zero, but now he, he does this transfer. He takes our junk, our sin, our rebellion on himself, and then he gives us his righteousness so that when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. We're in Christ positionally. We're not there like every minute of the day. We may be part of this communion of saints, but that's who we are positionally in Christ, but we still sin. So then what do we do? How do we find, what do we do then as we're doing relationship with God? We don't say, well, because I've been forgiven once, I'm good. I don't have to do it. This is so cool about Christianity. You just like say the prayer one time, it's good. And just live your life, and it's always going to be good. That's like, you got a, you got a broken relationship. Maybe it's a close friend. Maybe um, someone you're dating. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your brother or sister. And, man, there's been a rift. I mean, a big-time rift. And then, by God's grace, you reconcile. The two of you come together you're forgiving, you're offering forgiveness, and, and you walk through these double doors of reconciliation, and it's new. You don't look at each other and say, man, aren't you glad we went through this? Because now it doesn't matter what you do or what I do, we're always going to be good, right? No. No, you go cheat on your spouse again, the whole thing unravels, right? And so it doesn't change who we are. We are still God's kids, but man, sin certainly impacts our relationship with each other and with the Father and with God. And so what we're doing then is our faith in Christ manifests every day through confession. Oh man, Lord, I did it again. God, I am so sorry. That's one of the roles of the Spirit we just studied about two weeks ago, that the Spirit reminds us, well, Mark, that's not of Christ. You're out of bounds there. What are you doing? That attitude, that's not Jesus. And then as he reminds me, I go, Lord, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And so it's confession. It's, it's, it's confessing Christ as Lord through faith, that beginning time, and then throughout our experience as Christians and Christ followers, we are confessing people, ongoing faith that is demonstrated through ongoing repentance and confession. So the Bible says this in 1 John 1, verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us. So there's one thing that's gonna keep you from reconciling. There's many things, but there's one dominant thing. It's pride. It's pride. I don't, I, I don't need it. I can do it myself. Jesus says, if you wanna move into the kingdom of God and enjoy a relationship with me, the king, it begins with humility, poverty of spirit. If we've got pride in our heart, we've seen it. You've got friends, right? You've got people in your family. How many years have they not been talking to each other? My friend went back to Norway again, his aunt and his uncle, for decades. They will not get in the same room. He has to do one visit, one visit here. It's just this craziness. And we go, why can't they get together? Because they're proud. And they're stuck in their pride, unwilling to move towards mercy and grace and extending that and receiving reconciliation and the refreshment from that. Pride keeps us from forgiveness. And God's offering it. 
He's offering it. Forgiveness through his son. And it's so easy to say, I don't need Jesus. I'm good. It's not that, I'm not that bad. Man, I can tell you about a lot of people I know that are so much more jacked up, messed up. I don't need, I'm good. I'm sure, hey, if it's helping you, good on you, man. I don't need this Jesus thing. That's pride. That's pride. And so there's two fundamental questions coming out of this line. We believe in the forgiveness of sins. If you believed it, you've received it. Have you received this just refreshing gift called forgiveness? Let me ask it another way. What are you doing with your guilt? There isn't a one of us that would be mortified if our spouse, if our kids, if our parents, if our best friends knew some of the dark secrets of our soul, of what we've done, what we've thought, what we've said, where we've been. We would be mortified. And so what do we do? We stay busy. What do we do? We try to just bury it deep down. What do we do? We're just trying to turn up the noise in our life. What do we do? We try and amass some good stuff that, that just kind of counters it. But it's there. It's there. It's there. Until Jesus takes it away, the guilt is there, and the guilt is suffocating us. Why, why can't we reflect in our day? Why can't we be still? Because we're afraid to catch up with all that's not right in our own hearts. Have you received God's gracious gift that had your name on it when he gave up his son? And then the follow-up is, are you a forgiving person? So this is like the check. You go, yeah, I did that. Well, Jesus says, well, it's not as simple as that because if if you're not a forgiving person, then you actually haven't been forgiven. That's the warning at the end of Jesus' teaching on the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, 14, look at it on the slide. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you. Your sins, because forgiven people forgive. And is there anybody in your life right now where you go, but not that, that, not that one. That's too hard. That's impossible. That was so offensive. That's happened how many picking times? No. My forgiveness is just encouraging them. No, 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 no. Don't, don't get goofy. Forgiven people forgive. Forgiven people forgive. And that's a powerful demonstration of our forgiving God. Malcolm Gladwell, the famous best-selling author, ran into that, and it reminded him of his roots. He'd been working on one of his latest books, David and Goliath, Underdogs, Misfits, and the Art of Battling Giants, when he went to Winnipeg, Canada, to meet up with this woman named Wilma Dirksen, who 30 years before went through the unthinkable her daughter, Candace, was abducted and murdered. He was amazed by something that Wilma said there in the garden of her home. We would like to know who the person or persons who murdered Candace are so we could share, hopefully, a love that seems to be missing in these people's lives. She continued, I can't say at this point I forgive this person, but as Gladwell noticed, the stress was on the phrase, at this time. 
he writes, I wanted to know where the Dirksons found that kind of strength, that kind of strength to want to extend love, that kind of extent, uh, strength to extend God's mercy and forgive. And then he remembered it had everything to do with their Christian faith. And it reminded him of his background that he kind of drifted from. He said, I've always believed in God. I've always grasped the logic of the Christian faith. What I had a hard time was seeing the power of God. And there it was, Wilma Dirksen sitting in her chair in her garden. And I saw it. I saw the power of God in this woman who went through the unthinkable and God's mercy coursing beautifully through her brokenness, wanting to extend God's love and his mercy and his forgiveness. As we affirm our belief in the forgiveness of sins, may we be a people who have received and as recipients, may we keep pointing people to a beautiful, merciful, amazing God who offers forgiveness to each one in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, would you grant faith to those today who are reminded again that they can't move the guilt out of their life, but you can. Would you grant faith to believe that what Jesus did on the cross was enough? It was your plan to deal with our sin. That Jesus is the promised Savior who would suffer for our sin and through his wounds we would find healing. And would you strengthen faith so that we are more and more a confessing people before you and with each other. Would you remind us at the end of this day as our head hits the pillow of the things that we've done or left undone that weren't of you, that weren't like Jesus. And that we would be a people that more and more are pointing to you with our ready reflex to extend your mercy in forgiveness. In Christ's name we pray, amen.